Welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. I'm your host, Dan Holman. We're recording today for the week of June 11th. And uh, Rob, producer Rob and, and uh, my man Lolly here, we were just talking about it's over. It's over. It's back on here in Alberta. <laughs> how you doing this morning, Rob? Ah, very good, very good. Yeah, that was. Uh, we were saying how yesterday's front page of the newspaper said this isn't over, and then I think a press conference a few hours later. No, it is. Well, not not yeah. quite, but definitely on the path to, <laughs> to reopening and, and getting you know a good sense of normalcy, and which is great to see. You know, everyone's yeah. ready for it, and and. I think everyone's taking the right steps to be safe, and but you know we can we can battle our way through this. So I agree. Uh, speaking of uh, battling our way through this, just a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today, and uh, some more exciting headlines from from retail. Um, you know a bit about technology that you know not long ago was only available to large chains. Uh, a story about independent retailers having this d- distinct advantage over Amazon. Great to see that. Another large chain, uh, unfortunately, under restructuring protection. We'll chat a little bit on that one. And uh, a really recent uh, real estate report showing that uh, our region here, Edmonton, uh, the retail world is poised for a breakout. So that's, that's pretty exciting to see. But uh, our first story comes to us from uh, the business in Vancouver group, uh, BIV.com. And uh, it, it's a neat story. It talks about how... Geez, I, it's hard to peg a year exactly, but it wouldn't have been very many years ago that that there was just no way a small retailer could get into the world of, of uh, e-commerce, that integration. And uh, great little story uh, about a lady uh, with two jewelry shops, how she took this opportunity uh, to really step into the world of, of e-commerce. And... Um, you know, her, her comment in the story, there's been a, a big divide between what independent retail could afford for e-commerce uh, compared with the big chains, and uh, that that's really changing. So, uh, yeah, Dan, to share, share some thoughts on that. Well, I think, you know, this is, it's funny, I was on, I was on a webinar yesterday with, uh, you know, one of our favorite companies, Management One, and they, they did a webinar um on, you know, digitalizing your store. And, you know, Josh Orr from Streamline Retail was on. Josh's got a great podcast as well. Um, he's in he's in Texas and has a really, you know, outward opinion about the power of e-com and has been that way for a long time. You know, I've been a um, slow adopter of converting yeah. a brick and mortar store, you know, to that digital age. Um, but I will say this, you know, when, when Layla, I think was her name in the article, you know, she talked about, you know, I didn't realize, you know, yes, it's a lot of work, but I didn't realize I could do that. And true enough, for a long time, it was very early adopters and big retail that saw, you know, e-com as a play for them and had the, had the you know, the bandwidth to take it on, financially or otherwise. Um, and today, it's just not the case. You know, Layla goes in to talk about it's maybe a little bit more difficult than some perceive or that maybe is projected. But it's really not. It is a very simple space to get into. Um, you know, our partners at Shopify, you know, have made this very, very easy. Um, and they have adopted this strategy that you don't have to be best. You have to be fast. You have to be first. Um, and so Shopify's made it really easy. You know, along with their POS integration, you know, they, they now are providing a true 
ease of market or ease of entry omni-channel, uh, almost full omni-channel experience, you know, for that digital age. And on this webinar, I talked about it from Management One, um, you know, someone from, uh, uh, from a footwear retailer, large footwear retailer, you know, talked about his first retail site being in the 90s, you know, his first e-com site. Well, oh, wow. truthfully, it's only been in the last, you know, 24 months that we've really seen the advancement. Right. And certainly in the last, you know, 90 days, it, you know, it has been crazy. And we, you know, at Canadian Retail Solutions, you know, we spent a lot of energy helping people integrate point of sale and, right. you know, their their digital presentation, whether that's Shopify or big commerce yeah. or whatever. So. Well, and she makes, makes mention in the story too, that she had some past experience that uh, she said it, it's not something to totally tread lightly into it it does take quite a bit i i remember myself i was in a um you know a marketing e-commerce building uh, discussion probably about five years ago and it stuck with me then the the view that to get into e-commerce is akin to building a second locate brick and mortar location a hundred miles down the road right with, with a different building a different team and and just for the mindset of, of realizing that uh, um, this is what you needed to do. That was five years ago. Right. And I, I think that is, that is even tremendously changed uh, uh, now. So, and I'll tell you, you know, with, with the increase or the influx of digital space and the, and the ease of access for all retailers, the bigger players are now recognizing that, you know, their brick and mortar stores are more of an advertising medium they are a customer engagement or capture spot or space versus the traditional selling model. I think it's maybe Doug Stevens from Retail Profit came out and said, you know, in today's retail age, you have to recognize your brick and mortar, you know, as, as part of your advertising medium. And it's about customer acquisition, not, you know, customer transaction the way we've seen it in the past. So right, I think right. that maybe piggybacks onto you know, the, the true power of this digital, you know, space that people want to be in. Well, and on that, we, we talked a bit last week too about that, you know, that line item on your P&L, that, that kind of, whether it's your brick and mortar, your, your lease or to your marketing and, this, right. you know, your e-commerce efforts, that, that number more or less is going to stay the same. It's going to stay the same. And the yep. more astute a retailer becomes, the more they advance themselves they start to look at these expenses together as a percentage of revenue. And so no longer are we going to dwell on, you know, the cost of my, my retail space without also looking at the cost of my digital space and combining my marketing, my digital experience and my brick and mortar, my, my lease rates all together as a percentage of revenue. Right, right. Well, again, that story was on BIB.com. We'll have a link in the newsletter about it. And anyone wants to check out her website, it, it's, we say Layla's or Lala's? I wonder. Well, I wasn't sure. L-A-L-A-S dot C-A. So yeah, go, go check, check yeah. that out. And, and uh, uh, I'm a nickname Lolly guy. So I'm, I'm going to go with yeah. Lala. I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, our next story comes from, from Forbes.com and, and, uh, I, I think we all love the theme of this one and that, uh, uh, you know, the headline of the story is move over Amazon. The big boys are coming back to play and, right. and it really zeroes in on independent local retailers having that, that one distinct advantage over Amazon. 
And, and that's uh, never going away. If anything, it, it just got totally enhanced over the past few months, and that is human interaction. So talk sure. to us about that, Dan. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, even Amazon is recognizing, you know, with their, with their introduction of brick-and-mortar stores, you know, we, we as human beings need interaction. There's a very small exception to that rule, you know. They, we, we need human interaction, and that can only come from within a physical space. You know, even a, a hologram, you know, even a, you know, a virtual connection like this, Rob, still leaves us with some level of disconnect. We need interaction. And over the last 12 weeks, we've seen more and more interaction. While socially distanced, I get all that stuff. Um, but we have seen more interaction. You know, we've, we've shopped more frequently than we have in the past. We spent maybe more frequent, we, we frequented convenience and grocery more than we have done in the past for shorter periods of time, yeah. you know? And so that, that delivered a better engagement or connection, albeit behind a, you know, sneeze screen. Um, it's still, it still created that. And I think that when we say, you know, watch out Amazon, the big boy is back or the big boys are back. It is about independent retail making this surge. And I think a little later on, we're going to talk about, you know, what happens when big retail, you know, closes their doors. It just right. creates more opportunity for that independent retailer to deliver a very unique experience. We've all shopped at, you know, stores, you know, our favorite hardware stores, you know, that are, that are riddled with, you know, what are identified as experts in their field, whether that's flooring or electrical or whatever. But, you know, they're not a servient retail environment. Right. Um, you know, and, and what people look for in brick and mortar is someone to serve them, someone to understand what their needs are, someone to identify their needs, even when they don't know what their needs truly are. You know, they start by thinking about an item versus, you know, a solution. And that's what we look for from the independent retailer. And Amazon, no matter how much technology we drive into it, will never replace, you know, the human interaction, reaction, and, and promotion of a solution. But what's really cool with that too is, you know, you've, you've had dozens of retail owners on, on this podcast. And, and every single one of them said the thing they absolutely loved the most is being out on that floor talking to their customers. And, and what's cool about that is we're, we're not, or, or small retail is not being encouraged to do something that's the unhappy place. Like if anything, right. it's, you know, that's where you're truly going to excel. You love doing it. Go do more of that. Find, find a way to do more of that and you, you will be rewarded. For sure. And I think that the very best, the very best retailers have always been extroverts, not introverts. Right. You know, I wake up in the morning and I love to look at my phone and see the Shopify sales, you know, that have rung through while I've been sleeping, yeah. you know, or, or the early morning, you know, cash register ring that is the e-com, but it does not replace, you know, that, yeah. that being on the floor and talking with someone and laughing and, and, you know, the joy of seeing someone, right, right. you know, truly happy in making a purchase. Right on, right on. 
Well, folks, want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. Since 1991, they've provided comprehensive point-of-sale retail software support and training along with inventory management solutions to empower retailers in Canada and throughout North America. If you are looking for new solutions in your retail environment or getting ready to launch your new operation, be sure to check check out retailbycrs.com. For more info, remember Canadian Retail Solutions exist to make retailers better. Right, Dan? We got to change that tagline. <laughs> that seems a little bit too chest puffed up. I mean, I'm I going with the windy one. We'll, we'll come up with a more <laughs> natural approach to, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what, that, that uh, I, I think you guys, you're, you're the coach with the knowledge and the tools, more importantly, to, to just, you know, guide the retailer to the best success that they Yeah, and we believe that all of those so, things are truly tools. You know, yeah. I mean, as I look at point of sale, it's a hammer. You know, it's a, it's a wrench in the toolbox. Yeah. You know, we want to pick the best one. Um, and, and I think that, you know, synonymously across the company, you know, everyone, everyone is wholeheartedly service above self. And that's truly what we mean when we say we exist to make retailers better. We exist to help them be better, yep. you know, whatever their challenge is. So, yeah, thanks for the plug. Appreciate it. Here's this story uh, from cbc.ca. Uh, it it uh, fortunately, you know, talks about another um, Canadian an outdoor retailer sale has filed for bankruptcy protection. Uh, the Laval, Quebec-based retailer uh, said in a statement recently that they filed for protection under the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act as part of a, a restructuring process. Uh, they employ 1,800 people, 14 stores, uh, plus another four Sportium stores. Here, we, we chatted last week, Dan, you know, another headline of, of that, uh, we'll say the bigger retailers, is this the kind of seizing on timing, opportunity? Sure. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And let's remember who's, you know, who's putting that message out there. You know, there is always a negative connotation to a lot of what we see that comes out of, you know, all of these large media platforms. You know, it's not really from the perspective of, you know, glasses overflowing, but rather the glass is half empty. You right. know, I read, I continued to read in that article, you know, as, as I, it might've been, I don't, I don't remember dig 360 or somebody, you know, it said, you know, Hey, you know, last year's apocalypse was just, you know, last year's retail apocalypse was just a preview to what's going to happen this year. What is happening this year? Okay. And the reality is yes, you know, there are stores that, that need restructuring. But this is a very opportunistic approach to reinventing yourself. You know, I've said this for a long time, Rob. We are in retail. By its very nature, we are insolvent. We, we believe from an accounting perspective that we have this massive asset that is our inventory. Yeah. But look at what happens to that inventory when, you know, we're forced to liquidate it. It's worth pennies on the dollar. It is in fact a liability. And in all cases, uh, all, in a lot of cases, that liability outweighs our, our liquid asset or our, our, you know, quick cash position. So retail independent or otherwise by definition is insolvent. And that doesn't, I don't say that to be the negative person or the scary person. That's real. Right. You know, and when we look at a great organization, you know, what on the surface looks like a great organization, sales been around for a long time, super great outdoor stores, you know, heavily into sort of Eastern Ontario and Quebec, 
Yeah. Um, really great outdoor stores. And they're taking this opportunity to strengthen their organization, to reinvent themselves. And we're going to hear it over and over and over again. You know, when we talk about, you know, what's happening in Edmonton, the influx of retail, I'm sorry, I don't mean to jump ahead, but the influx yep. of retail, yep. you know, that you see in Edmonton comes on the back of bigger retailers restructuring and take advantage, taking advantage of their ability to redefine who they are. And, you know, we're talking about an 18 store chain, 1800 people, you know, that th this bodes the same for a three store, 60 person organization. If you need to reinvent yourself, you know, you better be halfway there already and not right. waiting for the next shoe to drop. There is no next shoe to drop. There is no second wave of COVID that's going to give you this opportunity to reinvent yourselves. The moratoriums that are being placed out there now, you know, to protect, you know, the tenants in commercial space, yeah. you know, I think is, is giving us the opportunity to stand back and say, wait a minute. Okay. I can take a breath. I'm not being thrown out. Yes. I'm going right. to, I'm going to have to communicate effectively with my landlord, but I'm not going anywhere. So I can develop a strategy and I need to sit down with my, you know, my accountant, my retail coach, my landlord, my advisors, and come up with what yeah. the best strategy is to move us forward in a healthy position. And that's exactly what sale is doing. How do we move forward in a healthier, leaner, meaner future? Yeah. Yeah. But you're right too. And, you know, raise my hand, old media guy, that most people will read three seconds of that headline and then just summarize it to that. Oh, there retail's dead, you know, but, but not looking to the, I like the way you just put that. This is, you know, they're, they're just kind of regathering to, to a healthier direction, a healthier future. And right. this is more, they're just taking that opportunity to, to uh, you know what, there's some things we got to fix and correct and uh, right. uh, move forward. And I think the slowdown, I mean, it takes so much fire, it takes so much firewood, you know, to keep this thing burning that any stutter step can be detriment. I mean, can be devastating to a retail organization, right. Right. you know, having lived yeah. that, you know, many years ago, maybe, maybe 15 or 18 years ago, you know, where the fire required, you know, the, the wood required to keep the fire going is so much that one little stutter step can start this sprawling demise. And, and, you know, when people talk about a retail apocalypse, you know, apocalypse isn't the right word. I mean, this is, this is an earthquake. This is, you know, something that we rebuild from, not the death. You know, yeah. people for a long time have talked about the death of retail. Well, here we hit it. You know, we hit the peak and it's not death. It's the reinvention of retail. Yeah. Retail is not dead, independent or otherwise is not dead. It's actually no, going to thrive, which well, I, okay. I've had some interesting conversations in the last few days that I'm going to say, I, I really believe have been kind of kept on the quiet side for, you know, whether they feel a little guilty about that, yeah. that through this, they, they've, uh, um, but, but some retailers who have just had the best May in the history of, of their company, but they're not really, they're definitely not out there yelling it, but it, it just kind of, I think speaks that, um, you know, it's just dollars are moving around. They're just right. Dollars are being reallocated everywhere and, and ch it's big change and, and interesting We're things are happening. We certainly see that, you know, in the, in the bike space, you know, in anything that's outdoor driven, um, 
retailers are doing very well. I mean, if you own a bike store, you probably are coming off your best one or two months in the history right. of your store, right? And but that you know they're they're they are in some cases afraid to say that, right? And I understand right. that. Yeah. You know they they don't want to celebrate while others are not jinx themselves. <laughs> and jinx themselves, maybe yeah. right? Okay, but knows? you know we don't we don't think about them having their worst May ever two years ago when right. you know in Alberta there was a foot of snow on the ground. Right. You right. know we didn't think about them failing then because their season you know, was delayed 45 days. In this case, their season got accelerated because everybody was home looking for something to do. So it's a one-off anomaly and they'll never measure themselves up against this year. This will be the anomaly and and they're, you know, the flat line or it'll flatten over a large scale of years. You know, when we look at a five-year average, right? that this, you know, May 2020 isn't so big. and, And that's an interesting view. And so I'll pose that question to you that, you know, to not get so hung up on the on the highs and the lows in that in that day in the week, measuring everything is super important. But how how do you coach your retailers to try and what what do you feel that global view should look like? Well, I think it starts with with looking at what your plan is. You know, what's your goal? And the measurement can never be an LY comp. You know, you can you can you can really find great success in measuring against last year, but you can also find great failure in measuring against last year. You know, here we are. It's it's you know the middle of June or almost the middle of June. We're back into the throes of helping stores plan inventory, plan buying, and as we walk through our plan, you know, I'm stroking out last year's sales because I don't care what last year right. was. It's a different space right now, and so really coaching a retailer to have a more global look at their business is to talk about here's what our 90 days looks like right now. And this is what our plan is. Our measure of success is achieving that plan, that realistic plan. It's not the measure of last year. And if we get caught up in what we've missed over last year, what we've lost instead of where we build from here, we'll wallow for a long time. Right on. Well, speaking of helping a, a retailer build a plan, I, I know this is a retailer that, that you've done some work with, really admiring what they're doing right now. So uh, I'm going to throw it back to you. This is our, our opportunity of the week. So Dan gets to share a little bit about a, a retailer shout out. Let's hear it, Dan. You know, I, I always am a little nervous. Nervous is maybe the right word. I don't want to leave anyone out. I have, yeah. you know, I haven't. I have a somewhat equal love for all of the retailers that I work with and those that I don't that are out there, you know, trucking through, you know, today's world. Um, but this guy, you know, a bit of a, a bit of an anomaly, you know, Brad from revolution boutique, um, you know, a, a, a guy's guy living in a women's fashion world. Um, you know, really I admire his, you know, his tenacity and his fortitude and his ability to break through in a market, you know, that's, that's riddled with mediocrity. Uh, there's a lot of women's clothing stores. Yeah. Um, and, and he's having great success. And I, you know, I, I think I joked maybe with you and, and certainly with Brad often, you know, they just opened another store on White Avenue. They're up to three stores. So they're Sherwood Park, St. Albert, and now White Ave. Um, you know, and we sent him a message on, I think it was March 12th or something. Hey, all your POS equipment is here. Uh, do you want us to sit on it? 
And the answer was, hell no, get it over here. I'm opening my store tomorrow. Let's go. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, hey, you know what's going on, right? I don't care what's going on. It doesn't matter to me. I'm moving forward this way. And it is that not, not insensitive, I don't care. It was that he had a plan and he That's was opening yeah. that store come yeah. hell or high water. That store was going to open. And, yeah. and I am not turning on a website. I am a brick and mortar store. I'm going to cater to her. She wants to be in my store, you know, until only the next day <laughs> for him. I think <laughs> yeah. the doors opened on the 15th or 16th and closed on the 17th. You know, so he sat idle for a long period of time, yeah. you know, and, and sort of over that period, Brad and I have been synonymous in this. We do not believe in this, you know, that, that, that COVID is as bad for Alberta as it was made out. We don't believe that stores should have been closed. We've, we've fought against it the whole time. You know, I've said forever until some higher authority than me locks my front door, I'm open for business. Right, right. I don't care what you think. Yeah. And, you know, and Brad sort of had maintained that strategy through that period and converted business, did business without his website, you know, continued to do business with women and, you know, and satisfy something that they needed in, in you know, whether that was, you know, retail therapy or, you know, what do you, what do you think, Dan? Like, you know, we just talked to the story of a big chain shutting down, and here's a story of a, a small retailer effectively has has tripled in size, and in what the last two years, the yeah. three years, two years. Uh, yeah. What What do you think? What if you had to kind of pick one thing that that Brad has done really well and focused on towards that growth? What What would you say that is? It was the focus on growth. You see, it wasn't the focus on how do I pay my rent. It right. wasn't the focus on, you know, how am I going to make up anything? It was always with an eye on the future. It was always with the intention of growth. You see, and when you can, when you can put a target in front of you and not let anything interfere with that, you figure out how to get things done. I mean, we are entrepreneurs. We figure shit out. And exactly what Brad did. He figured out how to achieve his growth. Yeah. And, and it came on the back of him wanting growth. I talked to other retailers that are, that have, you know, aspirational thoughts of growth, but not a dedication to growth. It's two very different things. Yeah. Someday maybe I'll have five stores, right. you know, and right. Brad's attitude was always, you know, where's our next store? Right. You know, and now that number two is yeah. open, where's number three going to be? And now right. that number three is open, where's four and five going? Right. Well, on that, let's let's jump into our next headline, and and this comes to us from the WesternInvestor.com. Uh, you know, focuses on our local market, and we'll take it. Uh, headline is Edmonton retail poised for a breakout, and for any of those naysayers out there, this story came out June eighth <laughs> of <Yeah>. twenty twenty. <laughs> so you know, this this speaks to to the current time and. Just to share, you know, one little bit, it, it focuses on things like, you know, 2019, we saw a lot of big box retailers and big brands uh, either close their locations or they ceased operations altogether in Edmonton. However, you know, some of these spaces have already been backfilled by retailers and it, it promotes unconventional features to their services, such as engaging in experiential retail, you know, revamp brick and mortar. Uh, and, and e-commerce strategy. And so this was a, a Cushman-Wakefield report. Uh, what were your thoughts on this, Dan? You know, I think for a long time, Edmonton has been, you know, the launch pad for both, you know, retail, but also, 
food and beverage. You know, we've been a hotbed for startups. I think that Edmonton has, I mean, I think we have the, I think we're in the top, Southgate might be number five in the country for top producing malls. Okay, wow. You know, we certainly have the, um, you know, the big monster, West Ed Mall. And so that really is an attraction to retail. Yeah. And if you look at the stores that have entered that space and, and some, you know, consequentially open more spaces, it is this launch pad that Edmonton is. And I believe that it comes from us being, you know, blue collar, not white collar. Right. You know, we're blue collar. Give me $5 and I'm spending $4.80 of that right now. Right, you right. Know, I am a little bit more um, free with how I spend, and and for retail, it's 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 absolutely a hotbed, and we're seeing more and more of the you know the the you know experiential stores coming up. This is all about changing customer experience. One of my least favorite companies in the world, you know, Canada Goose. I, they are my absolute least favorite brand out there. Love okay. the product. Don't love the company, you know, for obvious reasons. They shut down independent retail, but they right. build yeah. great retail spaces. You know, I can love and hate somebody at the same time for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, you know, Edmonton sees the biggest cold room in Canada. So you can walk into their cold room. You can try their product on. And I think when you look across what's going on in Edmonton, we, you know, we created a ton of vacant space. You right, know, look right. at what happened with Sears and Targets and, and we've seen some really good stores or the potential of changing that retail landscape. Oh. And I think that I read, you know, Edmonton now that our net rent is about 25 bucks or 24. Yeah, just, just under $25 was in yeah. the reports. So 2488. Right. So, yeah. You know, we're rivaling, you know, some pretty good space in Canada, whether that's, no. you know, in Toronto or in Vancouver, you know, Edmonton is demanding good retail rates. And that's a good thing for, you know, the landlord. It's a good thing for retail and that most retail leases in Edmonton are written with some level of, you know, pay for performance in them. And when you get into these, you know, high, high traffic, high dollar zones, you're maybe spending a little bit less in advertising and paying for that square footage. So Edmonton has always been a hotbed for retail. There's always going to be, you know, new stores coming here. Certainly when we look at the international you know, invasion in retail. They want to be in Vancouver and Toronto, but they quickly migrate to Alberta ahead of all other provinces. Um, that, that phenomena, uh, I was having a conversation last night about the 50-50s in, in Edmonton. <laughs> the anomaly of you go to Toronto, go to a hockey game in Toronto, 50-50s, yeah. you know, $9,000, $10,000. Come to Edmonton, it's $150,000. Right. So, you know, to your point, they, they make it and they spend it. So Right. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's not just hockey. Yep. You know, look yep. at what happened with, you know, I mean, the World Juniors when they were here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was totally. a, that's a world so, record still yeah. for the 50-50. You know, the, oh, the, hopefully I mean, we can break it this year. We can get back yeah. to that. We can get back to that. I mean, yeah. certainly, you know, that that speaks to how we live in Alberta. Yeah. You know, we're giving away $100,000 at a hockey game, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I know, I know you don't have a hundred grand to give away, Dan, but uh, <laughs> why, why don't you give us, a, give us a tip of the week for that independent retailer out there? What, what's something that they can focus on this week that'll help their business? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Thank you. You know, one of the things that I, I feel like, you know, we have missed out a lot on as, 
as retailers, you know, we invest this money in our point of sale. And most retailers, you know, use a very small percentage of their POS power. In fact, most use it as a cash register. And, you know, I feel like we've got to, my tip really is to, to ask ourselves, you know, what could my point of sale do for me to help me better manage my business, you know, better manage my store? And if you don't know the answer to how, you know, your point of sale can better help you manage, you need to pick up the phone and call your point of sale provider. Call your business partner. I use that term over and over and over again. You call your yeah. business partner. POS providers, you know, solution providers should be recognized as a business partner. It's a strategic alliance. And I don't have success in the point of sale space or in the retail solution or technology space without thinking of this as a partnership. And right. so, you know, get in, recognize that you're not using the potential of your point of sale system, no matter how simplistic you think it is. Yeah. There's things that you don't know. And, and, you know, I don't judge people for not knowing what they don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. And I don't know what I don't know. So pick up the phone and say, hey, can you just tell me one thing I should be using in my point of sale system that I maybe not. And whether that's analytics or feature or function, right. you know, ask yeah. yourself, I'm spending money on this. Am I actually getting something back for it? I like the, um, you know, plan for it too. You know, put put two hours in your calendar right. every month. To, the, this is my, I'm going to learn something new about my POS system. This uh, every, the first Monday of the month on, uh, yeah. from nine to 11. Yep. And it's a, that's a really good point. You know, if you don't plan for, I learned a long time ago, I, I, I worked with this guy from a, from a point of sale company, you know, profit systems. They were okay. one of the largest furniture specific, you know, POS systems. And I, and I worked with their then CEO, young guy's name was, uh, uh, Rick Stark, and he taught me this Porgy, you know, personal organization. And I was a pretty good, you know, ops guy. I got yep. a lot of shit done. Yeah. Um, but but I was frantic. I worked from five in the morning to seven at night. And I, I just was, I bounced from wall to wall and ceiling to ceiling and job to job. And it wasn't until he kind of taught me how to set a structure that I started to actually accomplish things in our, in our retail stores. And on Sunday nights, yeah. I would sit down and, and block time in my calendar for, the, for that week on all the things I was going to do. You know, and that was probably 1999 or 2000, I learned that. And to this day, every Sunday, I fill up my it's calendar for the next week. I still yeah. do it. And, you know, yeah. if I showed you my calendar, it's, it's full of stuff. Yeah. And it's color-coded. I know what's a phone call. I know what's a to-do list item. You know, I know what's reporting. I know what's a planning meeting or a consultation with someone. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a bit OCD in that I, if it's not in my calendar now, yeah. it maybe doesn't get done. Well, and I even have to wake up in the middle of the night and send myself emails. Hey, book, book this to do. Put it So then it's in my email. And, you know, yeah. there's probably, you know, when I, go, when I go to bed at night, there's probably, you know, one to four un, un, not unanswered but unactioned emails in my inbox. And I get about 125 a day, wow. you know, so we filter yeah. through them pretty quick, but I have time yeah. blocked in my day, you know? Well, we'll, that, uh, we'll call that, we'll call that two good tips two, for, tip for two, the week. Enough. So I should have no, saved uh, that. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Now I got to come up with another one for, for next week. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Hey, listen, we've, uh, I don't know. We've run probably 30 or so minutes. Let's, yep. uh, 
let's just do a quick wrap. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, um, head over to retailbycrs.com, subscribe to our newsletter. We are sharing, you know, all of the things we talk about in the podcast, in that newsletter, but also some, some great tips there as well. We will always have things that are relevant to you, the independent retailer. Just head over to retailbycrs.com and subscribe to, uh, to the newsletter. And of course, if you're listening to this on Spotify, give us a like, let us know you, you uh, are enjoying it uh, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Give us a thumbs up and let us know you're, you're out there and listening to us. Thanks right very on. much. Right on. Yeah, as Dan said, uh, you know, head to retailbycrs.com, sign up for that newsletter. In addition to stories from today's podcast, we'll also have additional links for stories. Uh, a couple, you know, one talks about the challenge of uh, excess inventory at this time. Uh, story to Dan, you know about this, these folks, the, the opening of the uh, really large second Muji uh, location in Vancouver. So be sure yeah. to check that story out. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks, on the Wealthy Retailer Podcast. It's brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. And remember, they exist to make retailers <laughs> better. So uh, yes. thanks for listening, and we look forward to uh, connecting with you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Awesome.